boom, there you go. You saw the tweet earlier today. You know who's here. It's a guy who's been around these parts many, many times, Mr. Terry Koshan. How's it going tonight, Terry? Good, guys. How you doing? Pretty good, Terry. Good to see you. Good to have you back on tonight. You too. Yeah, no, I'm fired up for this one because obviously there's a, a lot of meat on the bone to talk about uh, past couple of weeks. Uh, we touched on it just before we jumped on, so let's jump right into it. Um, the Dubas Presser, when you were there, what did you feel? What did you see? Obviously, Kyle Dubas now, he said maybe I was a bit too honest. Mm-hmm. Did you get a vibe that maybe he was going or wanting to stay? Uh, that day kind of felt like to me was one foot in, one foot out. Well, as we found out later, it really was that way, right, James? And to be honest with you, when I when I left the presser, got back up to the press box at the practice ring, transcribed and wrote, I drove home that day thinking, okay, I think he's going to be back. I, I just think he will be. Uh, you know, I, I guess the part of him saying it's here or nowhere else, I was taking the here part of it with a little more, um, you know, seriousness than I was the or anywhere else part of that quote that really got us all going so I, I just thought well you know there's still some things to work out and uh, I would imagine that by the by the end of the week we'll have an announcement that Dubas has been signed to an extension and that's that well that wasn't that and we know as you know to hear Brendan Shanahan's side of it a few days later four days later guys those days unfolded in a certain way and uh, you know Dubas hasn't really um, uh, you know touched on any of those things but by the end of the week as we know it was done and uh, within what, not even two weeks, there was the successor in Brad for living. But I, I think I, I think that I thought that way, guys. And I think a lot of us did who were at the rink that day. We're leaning towards, OK, well, they'll get this worked out and he'll be back. Now, I asked that question because I listened to what Dubas said, you know, going into Pittsburgh. Yeah. And he didn't even reference the Toronto Maple Leafs at all. Yeah. Where Shanahan and Tre Living and everyone during their press conference, which we'll touch on in a moment, we're very complimentary of Kyle Dubas and the work that he had done, time that he's been with the organization, which you expect. But for Kyle Dubas to really say almost nothing mm-hmm. other than the comment about maybe I was too honest that day, I'm wondering if there's some hard feelings or bitter feelings from Dubas leaving and then, you know, not getting what he wanted. For me, I look at it as like maybe Pittsburgh presented him everything, said, here's what we're going to give yeah. you. And he took that offer and said, hey, guys, the Maple Leafs, this is what they're offering. Not saying it that way, but saying, I know I can get this. So if you don't give me this, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that was what it was and hoping maybe he'd get that. I don't know. I think that's a speculation. I don't know if that happened or not. I, I just, with him not referencing the Leafs, definitely some bitterness. No one has said to me that Kyle Dubas was a bitter man, but I think you can read read between those lines and come to yeah. that conclusion. Because, guys, it's out of character for Kyle Dubas to not go to his way to think, never mind the Leafs. You don't want to. I guess there's a road he can go down here. He can thank certain people, but he doesn't thank Shanahan. That that's not a great look. Yeah. I'm thinking of Mary Tannenbaum's of the world. Of course, the relationship he had with his coach with Sheldon Keith, and will still have going forward. You start naming names, but not others. Then you know, um, it, it's it's probably a worse look to be honest. But the fact he didn't even it wasn't anybody leads me to believe that Kyle Dubas was a bitter man. With the way not only the way with the way that it ended. But I think with the way Brandon Shanahan was so honest with us on the 19th of May and said, yeah. okay, from my side, here's how all of this unfolded. James, I really don't think there was something in his back pocket with Pittsburgh until he got okay. there on Saturday. That's just my opinion on it. Um, I could be wrong, but that's I, I do take Kyle for his word when he says that he's on the phone 
and a 617 area code number pops up the day after he's fired. Now, having said that, listen, the talk to Pittsburgh was happening during the winter, right? During yeah. the second half of the season, whispers started to come out that the Penguins would be interested in the event that Kyle Dubas would become available. So a lot of us thought here, well, that's just not going to happen. But yeah, overall, it, that was a very weird day, guys. Uh, <laughs> you have the delivering, hiring. While that is happening, or right before, Pittsburgh announces Dubas. Yeah. You know, Dubas comes an hour and a half later. You look at your TV screen again. There's Spencer Carberry being knocked uh, and, and um, introduced in Washington. It was a hell of a day for that sort of thing. And that's not, you know, then you have Nick Nurse and Philly going on the same day as well. It was, it was quite a June 1st. We're not going to see that repeated, but the way that Dubas and Trilliving or Trilliving Dubas went back to back within hours of each other, timing was interesting. Very you good timing. You can announce it and say we'll do the presser at four. But we're, we're, we're barely uh, getting into uh, uh, listening again to what Trilliving said before Dubas was speaking in Pittsburgh. Of course, no time for any Toronto media to get there either. Well played. No, for sure. Well, we'll get into the Trill Living press conference here in a moment. I want, I want to ask this question. I've asked a couple of people this one. Do you feel, and I mean, you listen to some of the rumors and stuff like that of what Dubas wanted. He wanted more control, more of a streamlined, you know, narrative to the board and to Larry Tannenbaum to, to get his ideas through and, and push his agenda. Um, but unfortunately, that wasn't given to him. I'm wondering for, for all the things we've ever heard, you can see on the side there, do we believe that maybe Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, with it being a board, with it being Larry Tannenbaum, so many steps to get things done, do you think that becomes an issue for any GM? And I say that because Brian Burke was one of the ones who highly, you know, trumpeted. I need full autonomy. I need to make sure that I have every choice that I need to make to make this the best team. I'm wondering if that becomes a hindrance to guys who are supposed to be the general manager. Well, I don't, I don't. I suppose it's a hindrance if you're the guy in that chair. All I know is that there aren't many general managers who have full autonomy in the National Hockey League, including, I might add, the guy that is going to be named the GM in Pittsburgh. Is he going to get the full autonomy that Kyle Dubas wanted in that same position in Toronto? I don't no. think so. Not happening. So no. it's just, it's just, it's a bit of a fallacy to believe that you know that was ever going to be part of the deal. Was there more of a streamlining thing that he wished for? Yeah, it sounds like it. You know, so you're not going. If you want something done, step A, B, C, and then and then and right back down the ladder again. And let's face it, guys. I'm let, I, I would think that th- th- we're not talking about minor deals here. If you want to acquire Luke Shen for a third round pick, whatever it was, I don't imagine that's to be rubber stamped by five people before no. that happens, right? But on the bigger things, perhaps you know that that was part of it. And you know, we'll see how this goes with Brad for living. But again. There just aren't that many people in that power in that position, sir. You have that sort of autonomy, and uh, you know, though I still think it's a little interesting the way that Kyle Dubas played all that in that final week, leading to that Friday that he was firing. If, if we're to believe what Brandon Shannon had to say about it, but um, you know, more of a streamlining, sure. I guess you can always have that sort of thing, but you know, we we always thought that there was a good relationship between Kyle and Brendan. Um, you know, we're learning perhaps now that it wasn't as good in le- this last year that things are a bit strained, but relationships in that business world also get to be like that. So I don't know. You know what? We'll see how it goes with your living. But I, I think the fact that there is a bit of a pass there with Brandon Shanahan mm-hmm. will help. He hasn't passed, as he said, with, with Brandon Pridham. That's going to help as well. But, um, you know, I, I think we should remember in all of this, too, that talk about streamlining and autonomy. The goal of the president and the GM is the same. It's to win the Stanley Cup. It is. Yep. So you might have disagreements along the way. 
we all have bosses, guys. You know, we all disagree with them at times. It's going to happen. Later. Yeah, it's never never a perfect world, to be honest. I mean, there's always going to be room for one side opinion and the other side of the opinion, and then what's right in the middle sometimes. Um, speaking of Brad for a living, we brought him up a few times now. Gets introduced as the uh, general manager for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and really, I want to walk through him just getting there and kind of soaking everything in. Yeah. He really looked like a kid in a candy store. His eyes were wide, you know, just the amount of media that was there, watching him walk through the locker room, you know, the medical room, all the different spots throughout. They had a camera on him, and you could just see, like, whoa, like, okay, this is this is a lot different than what I'm kind of used to. Did you guys get that vibe down there when the press conference was happening? Kind of from him where it was not overwhelming, but just like, wow, this is another level than what I'm used to. Yeah, I don't think he was overwhelmed at all. In fact, I found him, and we all did, I think he'd be quite comfortable during that 25 minutes or so, guys. And I think that's important to note, that he wasn't overwhelmed by it. And, you know, not that he would be. I mean, he's been around the block. He's 53 years old. He's got quite a bit more experience than Kyle Dubas has or had. And I won't compare the two anymore. But, uh, you know, I, I thought he was good that day. He, I just like the, the basic theme of it was, look, I just want to come in, talk to these people, get to know people smooth some waters here we do although it doesn't look, look like it have a bit more time on our side until july 1 there still is now we have three weeks to go so i i, I just i just saw a guy that was comfortable but you to your point james he did say a few times like you know there are jobs and then there's this one this is the leafs this is a different yeah. thing altogether and there are many leaf haters across fandom in the national hockey league i get it that's fine but um the fact of the matter is it's a job that's coveted by many and the pressure that comes with it. So by no means will Brad, Brad for living uh, take this for granted. I, not, not that I, I don't even need to say that. We know that. I just like the day that that day that he was comfortable. He had a few good one-liners. You know, that joke about Giordano playing at 75 was pretty good. Yeah. Mark hearing that would appreciate that. A few other things. I'm not sure if it was caught on camera, but I know at the end, when everything was done, he, he looked at Brendan and said, I have one more thing to say. And he, he'd forgotten to thank his wife and two daughters who were sitting right in the front row. He had some funny things to say about them, about that as well. And uh, just the way he wrapped it all up. But I just saw a guy who, uh, you know, was comfortable and ready to hit the ground running. And I think that's important to note. Right. Right. Now he's coming into one of the biggest off seasons in team history. What do you yeah. think his first, acquisition is going to be is he going to try to sign Matthews is he going to try to sign some UFAs RFAs what do you think he's going to do here Terry well I think when when Matthews gets signed we don't know the first thing he has to do though is find find out what Austin's thinking and if we're all we're all thinking that what Austin Matthews said to us on May 15th my intent is to sign here the sooner the better that you know you know on the player side that uh, that he wants to get something done July 1st, the hammer that he holds gets a little bit bigger. We know that with the number. So I think that'll be the first thing, Pete, is just, just to get into that door. And Trelebing probably already has, seeing that's almost been a week since he was hired. Get Austin's uh, thoughts on things, uh, meet him in person, all that. You know, as we're led to believe, there's uh, there are conversations ongoing with Sheldon Keefe and his future. So that's key as well. Mm -hmm. So you have some time here. And, you know, we, we know he's not going to be part of the draft per se. He's not going to be the table and all that. But, um, he is going to still have a role, I would think, in, in helping to shape that. But the fact of the matter is, you got Matthews, you got Keith, Nylander's another priority, one that we mm -hmm. haven't. We're only not talking about it only because because of what's going on with Austin Matthews. If 
Matthews, there was no Matthews contract situation. It was done. We'd be talking a lot more about Willie Nylander, what he can expect to get from the Leafs on an extension. So there's that to take care of as well. You know, RFAs, I would, I would like to think that he'll get down to brass tacks with Willie Samson up at some point being the most important. And, you know, the free agents, I'm curious to see how it goes. The Leafs have 10. I think there's mutual interest of Luke Shen. He's the type of defenseman that Brad for living likes. Love that. If you could, yeah, and if you could wave a wand and say we'd like to get Ryan O'Reilly back, they probably would like to. But Bellers in the cap will tell you that's not going to happen. Do know Michael Bunting. If it were up to me, I'd be signing Noel Chari and David Camp and retaining them, and then Absolutely. casting, yeah, casting your line July one to see what you can get. But so that that's where it's going to go. I, I, I'm like of the same uh, belief as others, guys. I think the goaltending is fine. I actually wrote that for our website, website throws paper that they don't need Carter Hart. You're okay. Mm-hmm. In, not okay in that. You're better than okay. You have Samsonov who's building. Joe Wall is an NHLer. He looks and, so good. Yes. He, 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 he'll need waivers next year. You're, he's not going, he's not getting past waivers. Well, I he's made that comment today. Why would you give up assets when you finally, after years upon years, developed a goaltender and now he's ready to play within your system? And now you want to go again, kind of do what you did to James Reimer. If you bring in Carter Hart, then yeah. it's Samsonov and Hart. And where does Wogel back down to the minors? And then, like you said, he's got a clear waiver. You're going to lose him. So it makes sense. And, and the other thing, too, guys, if you're acquiring Carter Hart, the assumption is it's not to be a tandem, but to be a number one. So can, yeah. can you guarantee today or tomorrow that Carter Hart will supply better goaltending than Ilya Samsonov? No. And not only can you not do that, you've also seen probably a first round pick. And or at least Matthew Nice go the other way. Yeah, oh, I'm not spending the assets. I, I would rather roll the dice on Joseph Wool or someone in your system. They have a a bunch yeah. of young goaltenders now that they may They're be able to use. Yeah, they are. They are. And, you know, it's funny. I went through the goaltending today, and my I used as my jumping off point Felix Botvin. So he's taken in the in 31st overall in 1990. We know what he did in the 90s, guys. That decade, he started for the Leafs. Yeah. Since then, the, between Potvin and Wall. The Leafs drafted 18 goalies. I think 11 or 12 never stepped foot in the NHL. They wow. Five of them played in Toronto, and, and Reimer was the best one. Yeah, I hate to do that for James. So I liked him a lot. What about Tuca? <laughs> well, he didn't play he in Toronto, crazy. right? That's yeah. just it. I mean, the best guy in the yeah. bunch, you know, John Ferguson Jr. had Pogi here and Rask here, and he went with the 50. <laughs> God. Like, Don't even start, Terry. Oh, go. So anyway, to get back to the whole original thing, Pete, um, you know, I don't think it's an area they need to get to. It's on the defense where I think that he'll make the biggest splash. How he does that remains to be seen. But given the way he built the blue line in Calgary, he knows what he has in net. If the core four back, he knows what he has up front. You're filling around at the edges there. I think they need to do something on the blue line to improve the group as a whole. Well, I want to ask you about the blue line as a whole, and especially with tree living. A lot of people want to see TJ Brody go. Um, I'm not one of them. Uh, I like TJ Brody. Like when he brings, um, I think, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit of load management down the stretch for a guy like TJ Brody, who blocks a lot of shots and, you know, takes a lot of two on ones and does all those different things, getting back, being defensively responsible. Uh, I don't see him going anywhere. What would you think? I think tree living, would like some familiarity with some guys there, like a Giordano, like a TJ Brody, um, you know, just to have those guys within his system to work with and to kind of lean on for, you know, players within the room and stuff like that. That could be part of it. What does Brody have? One year at 5 million, I think, left? Yeah. So, yeah. Right. So 
you know, it's a, it's a bit of a bit of a, a pricey ticket, but it does for living keep that familiarity in mind. And again, if you're going to move it to TJ Brody, does another team really want to take that on right now? I don't know. Uh, the big question with Brody is, was he, was last year an aberration or the start of the, the, the decline, decline, sorry, that comes at the end of a career. Now, if that happens, it's five or six years before anything got to Mark Giordano. You need to compare the two, but I'm going to anyway. Giordano yep. at that age is winning a Norris Trophy, if not mistaken, or roughly, if not a bit older. Right? He's a little bit older, yeah. yeah. However, was he 35 when he won, I think, or 35 or, or 36, I do believe. Okay, so there you go. I mean, it, gets, it happens differently for everybody. So I'm of the mind you keep Brody. If I'm Timothy Lilligren or Jake McCabe, I don't know how comfortable I am this summer. Because I don't, you know, you're not trading. Because let's go down the list. Morgan Riley is going nowhere, right? Nope. He's got a no move. We saw the Morgan Riley in the playoffs. If he can be that guy going forward, and he should be, he's not going anywhere, right? So then you uh, you get to uh, Mark Giordano, who at 800 grand is going to be, uh, I think, he is coming back to. There's no, it's, I heard somebody whispers about retirement. That's not going to happen. It's not, not the plan now. Which for that's for Matt Murray, is it? What's that? You're talking about Matt Murray? Well, I just you know Giordano that there would be a possibility of retirement. I've been told it's not happening. No, but as far as no, but as far as the blue line goes, so you've got Riley. So then, if you got Giordano at the other end, you'll sign Luke Shen, uh, Connor Timmons for whatever reason is under contract for the next two years. So that kind of narrows your scope to as to who you're going to move out of there if you decide yep. to do that. Lilligren could be that guy. Living's not married to Timothy Lilligren. We know that. Nor is he to Jake McCabe. He isn't the Morgan Riley either, but Morgan Riley is a different kettle of fish. He's got the back the background with Brody and Giordano. So I would think that if it's a trade for defensemen, somebody will get moved out from the group. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a McCabe or a Lilligren um, going forward. But we'll have to see. But he likes the bigger he likes the bigger men on the blue line. We saw that in Calgary. He has to be cognizant of the fact these people need to move the puck as well because that's the way yeah. the Leafs play. And that's not going to change now with that forward group. So that's where I think it, it happens. But uh, I guess the thing to remember, too, guys, is, yes, it's a team that lost in the second round, but we're still talking about a team that could get things done in the regular season that had all those tools, right? Yes. So there, there is a lot of good things here for Bradshaw Living to, to, to work with. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the changes will come on the blue line. So I'm curious there. Like, if McCabe, for me, I mean, I like what he brought. He's blocking shots. He can throw the body. He does look like he has some foot speed. Um, I mean – is that a guy that they'd be interested in moving? I think Timothy Lilgren would have a little bit more value and upside, but again, yeah. he's a guy who can also move the puck too. So is, you know, it's, I guess depending on well, what you're looking well, for, really. I guess it does, but I, my point with it is you only have six or seven people on the list. Yeah. And some, there's going to be a non-fit somewhere. And if you agree that, you know, like it's a Riley or a, and who am I, am I forgetting somebody here? We got Riley, Brody, uh, McCabe, Lilgren, Giordano, Timmons, well, those, uh, those are the six under contract, right? Mm-hmm. Those yeah. are the six under contract. The right now. Comes back. Unfortunately, there's not. I don't think there's anybody coming from the minors next year for the Leafs. There's just nobody ready ready to make that jump and be a full time NHL defenseman. So it's not that I don't like uh, McCabe, James, or yep. or Lillard, for that matter. I like them both. But if you're going to do something, you've got to do something. Yeah, you, if you're going to spend the assets, so, you got to. And, and like we've already discussed, Matthew Nice. He's their best prospect. No bloody way he should go anywhere. No, oh, he looks so good in the playoffs. I was yeah, shocked. No, I'm pretty excited to see what he can do with a full season under his belt and probably getting to play with an Austin Matthews or a Mitch Marner or whoever it may be in that top six. A player I want to ask you about, obviously, he's going to have to be probably put back on LTIR, but there's nothing for certain yet. 
and that's Jake Muzzin. Yeah. Um, he has I, think I think that's where he's headed. But that kind of puts, puts the Leafs in a bind, really, because if he's heading to LTIR, don't you have to wait until the first day of the season to place him there and be able to get his cap relief? Right, but I think you'll you'll have that in mind once you're once you're building toward that, right? So yeah, I just yeah, see Luke maybe wanting to move him, move that contract, so to speak, in the offseason. Well, I didn't, I haven't, I hadn't thought about it, but I suppose that could happen. You know, if you need to get it to a team that has to quote unquote get to the basement or whatever the floor, you know, however you want to put it, yeah. I suppose that could happen. But uh, you know, as of right now, yeah, unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be playing regardless of the situation. No matter where that is, and and that's tough with Jake Muzzin, guys. I mean, what he four games last season in October, and that was it. Yeah, suffered injury that he did, and you know, mm-hmm. we never did talk to him. I think there we did request a few times. He just wasn't up for it, which is fine. Completely respect that, but just watching him watch practice was was hard because he had a bit of that that you know that Fire stare and look, and just knowing that probably I'm not going to be out there with those guys again. Yeah, we'll, so we'll have to see how that plays out. But at some point, that's going to be money that they can rely on, whether you know it's the beginning of the season or not. We'll have to yeah, see. true enough. I mean, it allows them to to do things. I mean, I've yeah. seen it also hamper them as well uh, when it came to moving guys around. Uh, another player that I want to ask you about is Matt Murray. Yeah, he was the um, other one. Yeah. yeah. The, the other guy that I don't know if he's going to be on LTIR, but I think that's a guy that they probably – I think he still wants to play. So he's yeah. not going anywhere. Um, so you probably have to figure a way to either a buy him out, which would Maple Leafs might do, and eat some of that money, or attach an asset to him and send him out the door like you did with Peter Morazic, which I know I just heard the collective groan of Leafs Nation for them sending another goalie out the door. But I mean, if you can get his cap relief of four and whatever million, four point two five or whatever it is, four million dollars, yeah. yeah, if you can have that money to be able to do things on July 1, and maybe it saves you a Bunting or a Ryan O'Reilly or someone like that because you now have that change in your pocket, that might be something worth exploring. It could. I think some of that money go back towards the guy that beat him out, though, right? The Samson, yes. you know, he's an RFA. He's not, he's, I guess, to be qualified at 1.8. That's not going to happen. He'll sign for more than that, I would think, when all is said and done. Whether that gets into forward territory, we'll have to see. But that that would mm-hmm. be what I expect, right? How much term do you think he gets? I don't know. It's hard to say. Maybe does he get three, four years? I would I say would three years. He's going to be twenty-seven in February, I think. Mm-hmm. So he's still he's in the wheelhouse for age for a goalie, right? Yeah. Not too old, not too young. He's in that right spot, and I think he's earned it. You know, what did Peter Mrazek get? Three-year deal here. He got a three-year deal. Yeah. Well, look, I know it's a different person. I said I wasn't going to compare again. But the fact is, uh, if, if Ramazic is getting that three years, then Samson off should be able to say, look, I at least deserve that, you know, if not maybe one more year. So we'll see where that goes. But again, you're keeping in mind that uh, you don't want to go too far down the road and, and hook yourself into Samsonoff, which the balance will have to strike. Because if Joe Wall is the guy we think he's going to be, mm-hmm. he'll be up in two years. And uh, he's going to probably – command quite a bit more as well. So, you know, you don't want to get into a spot where you're paying both your goalies four or five million dollars, obviously, over a longer period of time. Even well, it runs into what the, the Florida Panthers just had happen with uh, yeah. Sergei Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight, right? You had to pay both of them. Yeah. And then you're on the hook for, what, $14 million 
for two yeah. goaltenders. Not to say the Leafs will be in the same realm, but no, you're yeah. still paying a lot of money out to two goalies. So right, I and I guess for the, for the Panthers, at least you know until they met the Vegas Golden Knights, it looked like they were going to be okay with that situation. But yeah, uh, it looked like they were fine with eating that money. Well, um, again, I'm sorry, I'm not going to. Don't one thing I'll say is I'm not going to write the Panthers off yet. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. You know. No one's so raised the Panthers off yet. Yeah, no, no, but I mean, just as far as Murray goes, um, the you know, I, I think it behooves uh, uh, to a living to get out from under that somehow. Yeah. Before training camp starts, go figure out a way to do it. Yeah, figure figure something. Out. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a move to be had. Um, right. The other thing that I'm wondering too. Okay, we'll move from true living. We'll talk yeah. about Austin Matthews and what he may command on his next deal. And I kind of have a working theory here. Um, the cap goes up probably one million dollars this year, is what Gary Bettman said. Okay, and then if you are to believe what he's saying, it's supposed to go up four or five million dollars next season, the season after this one, which coincides with Austin Matthews and William Nylander's new deals starting. So if you factor that in, if you are able to factor some of that in, hopefully, if you're giving Austin Matthews, say, a what he got 11 million, a three million dollar raise to 14 million dollars, somewhere around that. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. William Nylander is at seven just per se. I know it's six nine, but he yeah. gets bumped up to nine million dollar pasta money, David yeah. Pasternak style. There's your cap bump right there spent right. on those two players, right. and you really don't have to worry about finding that three million dollars and finding that two million dollars if the cap goes there. I know it's a big if, especially yeah. with everything that happens, but it's a pretty good feeling that it's going to go to those numbers. You look at all of the other leagues. Everybody else has jumped up 18, 20, 24% in their salary cap or luxury tax. So the NHL would be smart to finally maybe start moving that ball forward and getting things where teams can spend money and build better teams just because. I know there's price tags on teams being sold and you know there's money being made left, right, and center that the players don't get to see. But I think to go back to Austin Matthews, that money coming in, and for William Nylander as well, you may be able to factor that and move those guys up and not lose them is the only thing I'm saying. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, you know, as long as that cap does rise after this year, like it's expected to. Yeah, that's, yeah. It, that, that's the thing. Yeah, but that's the way things look, right? So, you know, barring something that we've all just lived through the past three years, that should happen. And, you know, keeping in mind, too, that when they were signed to the deals that they're on now, all of them, no one was anticipating what was going to happen. We thought now that the cap would be like, what was the, I think the, the last GM's meeting before the pandemic started, what were they saying? 88 million for the next 88 year? million. I think we, we, we did this one before. I think we were in the realm now where it should be like 103 million right. is what the cap should probably be at now, which I mean, just think of how much that would have helped the Maple Leafs. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, it would have been then. Yeah. You know, you, you, unfortunately you, you know, like on the blue line, for the, for example, you don't have that big stud coming open right now on free agency, but maybe you, you would have been able to add some other way. But, uh, yeah, you know what? That seems to be the idea that Matthews is, is going to look for about a three-year deal. I don't know, you know, how much longer than that it goes. We'll have to see. Uh, $14 million I think, would be about the right sort of number he's probably going to seek. Yep. Um, you know, Willie, or William Nylander, that's, again, that's an interesting one, you know, for all we want to What's that? He's going to want a big pay raise, right? Like well, he took sure. a big and, and you know what? If you're Lewis Gross's agent, what if you walk in and your first thing is to say, I want Marner or Matthews money? I'm not saying that's going to happen. But no, the fact I mean, of the matter is, like you say, he's, he's headed for a raise too, right? 
Yeah, so, I, look, I look at William Nylander. I'd say the best William Nylander we've gotten was last year, yeah. and he was one of the best players in the playoffs. For everybody who says this guy has his warts and problems and all the issues and everything else that people point out, at the same time, he put the team on his back in the playoffs a little bit and scored goals when they were key crunch time goals, and he was a 40-goal scorer. So I look at this guy and say, okay, you know, people are going to say, well, Cole Caulfield just signed for less money. Yeah, Well, Cole Caulfield hasn't shown yeah. that he's a 40, 50 goal scorer consistently. He hasn't put up the points. He hasn't gone on, you know, many seasons of showing what he can do. Where William Nylander seems like maybe he's stepping into that stride. And I say Pasternak money because that's probably the comparable that he's going to have yeah. with inflation. And you'll say, you know, his number was nine at this point in time. Well, mine's nine now because that's the way the cap's going to end up going at that point in time. So, I mean, how much... How much do you pay for 40 goals? And people say he did it once. Well, he was pretty close a couple of other times. So I look at I look at nine million dollars and say that's probably what a goal scorer is worth. You know, and, and Cole Caulfield signed for what he did because it's kind of like Nathan McKinnon when he signed his first deal. He yeah. didn't exactly have the point totals, but they were banking on what he could be. And boy oh boy, did he outperform that contract in yeah. spades. And that's what Montreal is hoping that Cole Caulfield does. It blows that contract out of the water and looks like a steal. Yeah, well, you know what? It's uh, yeah, obviously they, they would hope for that. Um, but as far as it pertains to William Nylander, you know, nine ten million dollars. Uh, again, if we're anticipating the the cap to grow like it it, it will, like you're saying, James, um, then much easier to swallow and, and you know deserving of of where the players uh, where his uh, expectations would then lie. Because you're right, forty goal scorers, you know. There aren't, there aren't many of them. There are some, but there are not a lot. Nylander is a guy that, you know, to be quite honest, if he's fully healthy, it could hit 50 in the National Hockey League. He, he has, has that talent to do it, you know. But I hate to say this, put it this way, but when his head is in it, which I should say is 95% of the time, we tend to look at the 5%. It's not a little too much in my opinion. But 95% of the time when his head is in it, we, we see what kind of player he is. And what he's capable of, and you know, um, does he seem a little bit aloof? I guess, but uh, to me, that's that's a bit of a facade. I don't I don't think that that's the way he approaches the game. There are other ways, that, you know. You'd you'd like to see, you'd, you'd like to the coach if it's Sheldon Keith next year or somebody else. And we do think it's going to be Keith. You don't get to a point where you're not have to light a bit of a fire under Willie Nylander, right? Because you're not doing that with Mitch Marner or Austin Matthews now. Yeah, uh, that's a difference there. You're certainly you're not with John Tavares, although we're talking with a different player. We're talking about a guy who's, who's I think, best days are behind him, and really has to work for everything he gets. But uh, you know, the effort is 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 unquestioned. So, you know, it's it's interesting. Again, let's circle back to the to the splash of the blue line. If if uh, Tre Living really does do that, does then Nylander become part of the package going the other way? If you're going to make that big splash for a number one stud in the blue line, could be right because we, as we discussed before, guys, if you want to make those deals, and Brad Living's not afraid to do it, you know, there was the one he made with Carolina a few years ago involving Dougie Hamilton, and mm -hmm. was it a last yeah, you got the, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's not just uh, it's not just the the the, the Kachuk trade, which he was was obviously forced on him, and one he didn't want him to make. He does have a history of it, so. We'll see where that goes. But, uh, you know, Nylander is a great player for the Maple Leafs. And if he can be included in a package to go somewhere else, then we know that 
the guy coming back is, is going to be a hell of a player as well. Oh, it'll definitely be an impact player for the Maple Leafs. Well, you touched on another topic that we have for tonight, and that is Sheldon Keith. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The belief out there, I mean, Elliot Friedman put it out there, a few others as well now, that it looks like Bradshaw living is probably at least going to keep him this year. I would say he probably would extend him because you don't want a coach to be a lame duck. Right. And, you know, not have really any teeth to, to bite back at guys if things are going sideways a little bit. Um, what would you give him? I, I would say maybe a year extension just to get a, a feel of what he is. And mm-hmm. if things go well beyond that, obviously you can talk and figure things out beyond that. But if you give him that extra year, at least if you do end up letting him go like he did with Hartley in Calgary, then you're not paying like you did with Babcock for multiple years on a tab. But again, it's hard for me to say that you're going to go get a better coach than Sheldon Keefe. I mean, has Sheldon Keefe had to learn some things on the job? Yes. The coach doesn't. It's a learning league. It's always a learning league. You ask any coach, you learn something new every day. You got to figure things out. New things are always cropping up. Mm -hmm. Um, There's people that'll say, Hey, Sheldon Keefe doesn't know how to switch the lines up in the playoffs and, and, mix and match things i can say well he ran 11 and 7 this year through the playoffs and really did mix and match things and put guys in better positions to score and it worked out this year um just the second round it seemed like it petered out but for you terry if you're brad for living with sheldon keith what would you give him and would you keep him yes i would keep him one year for sure perhaps two but top it out at two for the reasons you talk about james um look Sheldon Keefe is not a bad coach. And there are, are a lot of good coaches out there on the open market right now, veteran guys who have done it. I come at you with this. Sheldon Keefe has been coaching in the National Hockey League for less than four years. Less than four years. Okay. Uh, we can talk about play and everything else, who did what in the playoffs. Um, he beat a pretty good coach in the first round. John Coops, yep. Yeah. I would beat John Coop, longest tenured current coach. I'd put him up against anybody. Uh, he lost to a coach in the second round who, what is he, the top five coaches, uh, all-time game coach, I think, Paul Maurice. Yep. He's right up there. Something like that. Doing it forever. Yep. And we see how he's been able to take this team now to, you know, within four wins of the Stanley Cup final, so, or the Stanley Cup. fact of the matter is, he, he went up against two wily veterans of the NHL who have seen everything and experienced everything. One of them he beat, the other one, you know, of course, you want a better result against. Sheldon Keefe is still learning. Of course, there are some things that he's going to do that aren't going to be, uh, you know, overly agreeable to a lot of the fan base. But fact of the matter is, he got it. He got a team again to well over 100 points in the regular season. Those things don't happen by accident. He was given six new players. I think it was at the trade deadline. Made them work for the most part. Yep. Made those things worked. Was able to go 11 and seven. Move things around. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't have too much of a question with his coaching methods. If I'm sitting here coaching, saying Sheldon Keep, well, I'm going to question you at 110, 111 points at every turn. But show me the guy who's who then is a perfect candidate who gets you the same amount of points. There aren't many out there. That's why we're seeing retreads now. It's why Mike Babcock's getting a job in Columbus, and and why the the two front runners were led to believe in New York are Peter Laviolette and John Hines, or at least they were until 24 hours ago. Yeah. So. You know, if you want to go down that path, you can. But Sheldon Keefe, uh, you know, I, I think his best days are ahead of him. I was on the radio a few weeks ago. I was here at the fan in Toronto. I said, look, I think or, um, uh, Kyle Dubas will win a Stanley Cup somewhere. This is before he got hired in Pittsburgh, I think. 
And yep. he's that young. He's got, he's already has that type of experience. He's got that in his future. How old is Sheldon Keith now? 42, 43? He's yeah. a young hockey coach. Only Harbury is younger than him. He's got a great future ahead of him. And there's no reason why he shouldn't be here for at least the next year or two. Yeah, no, I want to see what he can do. Obviously, there's going to be new fingerprints on the team with Brad Living and bringing right. guys in. And, you know, we know what Brad Living likes as well. More physicality. He likes bigger yeah. defensemen. He likes the big guys and stuff like that. So you'll see that infused into the Leafs and the people that he brings in. Um, lastly, before we let you go tonight, yeah. there's a lot of rumblings. We talked about a little bit earlier about Carter Hart maybe coming in and big deals maybe shaking out and stuff like that. Do you feel in your gut – yeah. That we get a big deal from the Maple Leafs this summer with someone moving? Uh, or do you think they augment and bring in guys like, like True Living said, to play around these world class players and make it a better 23 man roster, not just about the core four? Well, if we're reading the tea leaves right and the whispers, I think they will do something significant on the blue line. And like I, like I alluded to you guys, if that significant, how big is that? Well, the bigger you want to return, the bigger you have to send out. So does that include yeah. a William Newlander? We'll have to see. Do I think that the Leafs more or less are going to look the same in spring or spring training? Training camp? No, I don't. I really don't. I, I think that tr- Brad Treliving, as much as he had a bit of a let's calm the waters approach in his first news conference last week. Smart thing to do, though. Very smart. I think that he'll want to make his put his own stamp on this team. And all due respect, that is not re-signing David Campbell. I think they should do or filling out your bottom six or, you know, signing depth guys on the blue line. You're going to want to make that stamp somehow with the player acquisition. And, you know, if we're talking again, when camp starts, guys, I would be surprised that they haven't done something of, of fairly, uh, uh, fairly significant, whether that's through a trade. If you look at the free agent market right now, you're not getting that, excuse me, that player on the open market. They just don't exist. All due respect when Damon Severson and Dimitri Orloff are your top defensemen that you think are going to go, or it's, Ryan O'Reilly or, or you know, uh, you know, at forward Michael Bunting, guys that they are, that they, they're not able to retain, I think it's going to come via trade. So we'll have to see, but I think he'll put a stamp on it to, to a, a fairly significant degree. I think he'll put a stamp on this team and to everyone who thinks – I see a lot of people, a lot of Leaf fans are, I would say, upset. With the second round loss, the way that it happened, yeah. and then the Duba situation, a lot of people are worried this team is going to go and – plummet to the bottom of the East standings. I don't think that is happening at all. Unless you end up losing Matthews and Nylander and trading them both and for nuts and bolts or whatever, and you don't get anything returned back, which is not going to happen. No, it but won't happen. I think this team, again, will be the one of the one, two, three in the Atlantic next season, and they will look different. I fully agree. But I think there'll be a lot of elements that'll be the same. Your goaltending, I think you'll see Samsonov and Wolves a tandem for the year. I do think you'll see Nola Cherry back, Luke Shen. I do think that Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and Tavares will be there in some capacity. But I think the, the rest of it's open for uh, open for business. Yeah. And there's a lot of young guys that might make a jump, like a Pontus Holmberg, might get the chance to fill in and be that David Camp, even though, like I beat the drum all year long, his face-off numbers were no good. He really needs to work on it to, yeah. to be that fourth-line center. But then you got Matthew Nyes. Nick Robertson apparently is beefing up as well, you know, and they're going to want to give him the best chance to possibly succeed, or maybe he gets thrown into a package. Who knows? But I think that's a player they're banking on being top nine capable, along with Matthew Nyes. So sure. then you start and cheaply. And cheaply. That's the thing you got to remember. 
Matthew Nyes, nothing under the cap. Joseph Wall, nothing under the cap. Nick Robertson, nothing under the cap. They're all capable yeah. of making really good contributions next year. And if they do, at the numbers they're going to be paid, that can only turn out well for the Leafs. There's no doubt. Yeah, you can definitely uh, add more players and do more things. Well, I look forward to, uh, as we always do in the summertime, talking to you maybe a week or so after free agency kicks off because that's when you finally figure out what happened at the draft and UFA. But I'd love to get you back on and just see what's there like we do and take some guests and some run at the roster of what may play with who or who may play with what, uh, like we did last year with Callie Yarn Croak and the guys. So I always appreciate you giving us some time, Terry. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's always good to talk yeah. to you. Sure. Thanks, thanks for right. coming on, Terry. All right, well, Leafs Nation and hockey fans, this is Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk.